All right, Hawks fans and hoop ball fans, we have a special hoop ball promo. This is big, real big, like Manny Fresh, house real big, car real big, daddy. Anyway, before I start singing and dancing in the booth to a New Orleans classic, this is a huge week for everyone at hoop ball because all of our 2020-2021 NBA season products are finally for sale. These hoop ball products are the best in the business. So listen up. Here's what's out. The draft guide. This is our flagship, our shining beacon like Superman. The most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy sports. Our guys went 400 players deep again this year. A future access pass to the Brewski 150 is also out. If you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, you need to know now. It's the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for the last decade. Decade. And new for this year, Hoopball is unveiling our new monthly membership plans. I'll try to keep this part short as much as I can. We have the fantasy pass, which includes the draft guide, the Brewski 150, and also the new DFS pass and all of our in-season premium tools. The DFS Pass is also available on its own, if that's your thing. We have the new Wager Pass for our sports bettors out there who want picks and analysis. And we have the Hoopball 360. The sucker has all of the stuff above, plus even earlier access to the Brewski 150. So head to hoop-ball.com or follow at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter now, right now. Like, go on Twitter right after you hear this to learn more and get yours today. If you want to succeed in sports betting and your fantasy basketball leagues this year, this is a no-brainer. Again, go to Twitter right now at HoopBallFantasy or go to Hoop-Ball.com and get right today. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds one. Trey Slaughter. network that is taking flight we cover everything regarding the atlanta hawks i'm your host brad harden recording live from atlanta georgia and i am recording this right after the track meetup in brooklyn as the hawks lose their first game of the new season 145 141 with a tremendous effort put forth from the entire team who basically were a couple stops away from winning this game to me, it proves that they're a little closer than people think to the top half of the Eastern Conference. But yet, this is still a young team, still early in the season, still have new faces, still have many things to work on and build on. And here to talk all over it today is our special guest, King Drip himself, Mr. David Bracy. David, how are we doing tonight? Oh, Brad, in the spirit of this being an Atlanta Hawks podcast. I'm feeling sensational, as Future would say. I'm feeling absolutely sensational. How are you, my man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm in good spirits despite the L tonight, as you can imagine, with some good things, especially in the offensive end, to point out tonight. But obviously no one was playing defense tonight, and it was just a tribute to the great offensive execution on both ends. For as far as we talk about the Brooklyn Nets and the Atlanta Hawks, but we'll talk more about the game after this plug for my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. 
There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%, just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. We're going to talk more about this game that just ended. Luckily, we get the running back turbo on Friday in the Barclays Center. But things that I wanted to see personally going into tonight's game, my keys were I wanted to see, obviously, I knew this was going to be a fill them out game. You get them tonight. You play them again Friday. I talked about it on the last podcast. It kind of mirrors a playoff schedule when you have a game one, game two situation in the first game. It's just fill them out. Offense is going to probably play better than defense. It'll tighten up in the second half. It's about who gets stops, and then you go back to the film, go back to the drawing board, go back to the practice floor, clean some things up, and then you probably play a little bit better in that second game, the game two on the defensive end, and see who steps up from there, who makes adjustments and whatnot. So for this Young Hawks team, I thought this was great as this is like a peek into the future precursor, if you want to call it, as to, hey, this is where they're going to be like in a playoff series, game one, game two. The first night is going to be probably a track meet. It's going to be pushing the pace and just trying to just get points, get shots up, execute offensively, see what works, see what doesn't, go back to the drawing board. So I figured that was going to be the case tonight. Really looking forward to see what adjustments happen in game two. I wanted to see how the Hawks responded to adversity. Lloyd Pierce thought that they responded to adversity in the game against Detroit, saying that, you know, they were heavily favored. They're not usually in this position. Detroit had people out. And they put up a really strong effort and made it closer than people thought. He thought that that was adversity, and I agree in that regard. But this was a different type of adversity going against a really talented team that's at the top half of the Eastern Conference. So I wanted to see how they responded to adversity. I wanted to see execution, both ends of the floor, offensive and defensive. I thought they did that very, very well on offensive end defensively it was spotty at times but when you're going against a really good offensive team in brooklyn that's you expect that to happen wanted to see them continue to crash the glass they lost the rebounding margin the game before to detroit i thought they took care of business on the rebounding side of things tonight continued strong bench play i'll talk about the bench a little later I wanted to see them limit transition opportunities, limit their own turnovers. I wanted to see John Collins start fast, who did not start fast a couple of the games early on in the season. But he really woke up tonight. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few. David, what were the things that you were interested in seeing? Maybe not from the Hawks lens, but just in general going into tonight's game. Yeah, you know, I was I was looking at both sides of the ball as far as, you know, Atlanta and Brooklyn's matchup. I think truthfully, what I was most excited to see tonight was just how far these offenses are going to carry both of these squads. I mean, we we knew that both of these teams were going to be heavy hitters in the Eastern Conference. I think the Hawks, we kind of came to that realization a little bit later than we did with the Brooklyn Nets. But obviously having two guys like Kyrie and Kevin Durant underfold, you kind of expect championship contention almost immediately when you have both of those guys active and on the roster. The Atlanta Hawks, though, are very clearly trying to make a statement for themselves in what is shaping out to be a, a pretty solid Eastern Conference um, and they're, they're looking like a, they really might be stepping into the title contention conversation a lot sooner than I think anybody anticipated. And it is all on the back of that offense. I mean, Trey Young has been an absolute savant with the ball uh, to open up the season here. I mean, his offensive rating is is astronomical. And that's why the team is the number one rated offense, as you mentioned you know earlier. So really tonight, I was just excited to see 
like I said, the firepower on both sides of the squads. We got to see Kyrie and Trey dance. And, and in the end, you know, it looks like Kyrie had the last dance. But like you said, you know, we're going to run it back here on Friday. So excited to see what that looks like as both teams kind of make some defensive matchups uh, adjustments. Because as we as we clearly saw tonight, there was there was not a whole lot of defense on the court. Yeah. And as you said, they all delivered on the offensive end. They served the base as you mentioned future. again, this is another future reference. They definitely served the base as if anybody watching on League Pass or in the local markets, they're really treated to a wonderful NBA regular season game and a game that. It may not be as talked about outside of our respective markets, but it should be. And it's a real eye opening game, in my opinion for the league when people were wondering what we're going to become of the Hawks with all these new faces, new pieces. They won 20 games last year. Are these pieces going to just make them better overnight? Not saying that it looks like they're going to be better overnight. It's going to be a process, a long process. But as Chris Kirshner mentioned uh, two programs ago. We're now in the evaluation process of this rebuild. It's time to evaluate the roster, see what fits, who fits around Trey Young, who is going to be here long term, who may be shipped out. And every game is in a part of the evaluation process and audition for these young players. So going into tonight for the injury report, available, Danilo Gallinari. He had a foot contusion that has kept him out in the last couple of games, but he was available tonight before going out with an injury. We'll talk about that a little later. Clint Capella was available. He's been dealing with Achilles soreness. He was available and good to go tonight. I thought he looked well, and I'll talk about that a little later as well. Out for tonight's game were Chris Dunn undergoing arthroscopic knee surgery. Oyeko Okongu and Tony Seller out, but they're very close to being back. They're very close to being back from what I am hearing as they were reevaluated after the Pistons game on Monday. So they're close, even though Yeko Kongu tweeted, it's almost that time. And I know Hawks fans are really excited to see how he's going to look on the floor. Starting lineup for the Hawks, who are on the floor tonight, of course, at the one, Trey Young. At the two, again, Cam Reddish. At the three, DeAndre Hunter. The four was John Collins. And the five, Clint Capella. I'll go through a little game flow real quick. It was a highly competitive offensive game, back and forth all night. Early on, I knew it was going to come down to late game execution and who was going to get a stop as both teams shot very well from the field and pushed the pace the entire night. The Hawks were not afraid at all. That's what I saw. They weren't afraid. They were confident. They were competitive. They brought that energy. And they started off hot in the first quarter, scoring 41 First quarter points, they were crashing the boards, running and gunning, and the Nets were cold. But Joe Harris and the bench really got the Nets going, and they inched closer and closer back into the six-point lead that Hawks had early on. I thought both teams executed on offensive end at a high level the entire night, which makes defense seem like a weak spot for both teams. But, hey, these are two of the best offensive teams in the NBA, in my opinion. Something's going to have to give. And with Dinwiddie out on Brooklyn's side, and after five quick points, Gallo went out with a sprained ankle. Both lost pieces off the chessboard, in my opinion. So, Bogey will get it going off the bench, shooting with confidence again tonight, building off his great shooting night two nights before against Detroit. And Cam Reddish doing it again on both ends of the floor as well, and having his best offensive output of the season, and the Hawks needed both of them. Both of them, because both teams would trade threes all night, trade baskets all night. It would have come down to who would make a stop, who can make a play. And after Kyrie woke up after a cold shooting night, some mistakes down the stretch from the Hawks on both ends as far as defensive and offensive execution. Down the wire in the fourth quarter, the missed three from Bokey, as people were going to talk about, the big rebound by Jared Allen. Hawks don't get a foul. They push the ball up the floor. Easy slam for KD. Push it to five. That was the nail of the coffin, in my opinion. And the Nets pull this one out. As far as the game flow, sitting back, David, how did you feel watching this game? I mean, I felt fantastic. I mean, the, the pace was incredible. 
I mean, like I said, I kind of expected both teams to break 120. I didn't think that they necessarily hit the 140 marker. Um, so that was, I mean, that was phenomenal. I, I love to see games like that. And there was so much offensive talent on the floor. It's kind of, it's kind of hard not to, you know, put up numbers like that. But yeah, like you said, Brad, I mean, down the stretch, it was, it was truly just a lack of execution and preparation as far as the Atlanta Hawks go and why they weren't able to, you know, kind of pull out the victory here. It looked like it was going to go in overtime. I mean, they, they've been just been trading buckets back and forth. Kyrie was carrying the majority of the offensive load for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, obviously, you have Kevin Durant, who's obviously going to get a bucket whenever he needs to, and he absolutely did. Um, but the Atlanta Hawks, you know, they missed a couple wide open shots. Uh, DeAndre Hunter was able to hit a three late in the game, but ultimately that three was not the one they needed. It was actually the one right before that, the exact same spot that he missed. So, yeah, like you said, I mean, just a lack of awareness, a lack of preparation um, and a lack of execution down the stretch for the Hawks. And ultimately, it ended up costing them the game because Trey Young was doing everything he could to try to get the team involved and make the shots that were given to him. And I mean, very few and far shots between are given to Trey Young. He has to take them all. And he really took his team all the way to the finish line and just about crossed it there. So I'm definitely excited to see what Friday brings. I'm sure they're going to come out with a, a stronger defensive identity and mindset as far as just how they are aware on a possession to possession basis, because clearly they've seen they can score with the best of them. If you can go toe to toe offensively with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, you do not have much to worry about from an offensive perspective. Now, the biggest question is ultimately always going to be defense, because we know defense wins championships. And for the Brooklyn Nets that were I mean, and granted, we are not very many games into the season. The Brooklyn Nets were at a pretty high defensive rating. I'm really not seeing the merit for that. I have a lot of concerns with their lack of a true defensive identity, in my opinion. Their best defender on all sides of the ball is a guy coming off of an Achilles injury, and that's Kevin Durant. So, I mean, and that's not a shot at KD, but again, I just don't think that he necessarily should be carrying the brunt of the defensive responsibility for that team. And yet it seems that he is. So I'm very curious to see what the Brooklyn Nets are able to do. And on the Atlanta Hawks side of that situation, they have the requisite wing players to evolve into great defenders. And tonight, I mean, we talked about this before we hopped on the podcast. It was a whole lot of reddish, a whole lot of reddish. I mean, on both sides of the ball, that guy is looking really, really good. He's rounding out into a really solid NBA player. And you can start to see why everybody was talking about him so much going into that draft and why the Hawks took him without thinking twice at the pick that they did. I mean, this this guy can play. And you heard about it over the summer in him playing pickup with KD. You heard the compliments. You heard the accolades that were being given to him by guys who are big names in the league already. So Cam Reddish definitely on the rise. That, that That's big for the Atlanta Hawks. I think very clearly in this league right now, you need a good wing player, per, preferably a big wing player. And Reddish is checking both of those boxes for what I've seen so far. So the future is bright in Atlanta for a lot of reasons, and I'm excited to see what that turns into. whole lot of Reddish. I like what you did there. <laughs> Tip the cap to obviously Playboy Cardi's album, which people have mixed reviews. It's more... You said Mario <laughs> Judas album? <laughs> yeah, yeah! He put it out. He forced it out, bro. He forced out the album. <laughs> <laughs> he did, but the Nets forced out a win tonight. As I said before, they won the game 145-141. Hawks shot 47.5% from the field and shot 39% from three. On the opposite side, the Nets shoot 54% from the field and 46.3% from three. They really got hot from three after the first quarter, and they would trade baskets with the Hawks all night long from the three-point line. So both teams shot well from the three-point line. Don't look at the 39% for the Hawks because compared to last year, they averaged 33% from the three-point line. So this is still better than last year. And as I said in programs before, Hawks and three-point shooting were not in the same sentence last year unless the word bad was in the sentence. Now, that's not the case. There's so many shooters on the floor now for the Hawks, which is a huge positive. That's going to be a positive for them going forward. The Hawks, again, shoot over 80% from the free-throw line, going just under 83% from the free-throw line, and got to the line 35 times. I think that's a positive. Continuing to be aggressive and get to the line. Those are freebies. After getting out-rebounded by the Pistons, the Hawks out-rebounded the Nets by plus 
14, winning the margin 54 to 40, and they won on the offensive glass 17 to 9. So that was a key for me. I wanted to see them out rebound the Nets. Check, they did that. And spoiler alert, there was a lot of things that the Hawks did that I wanted to see, and they still lost the game. But I will point to the real key in that later on. As a team, the Hawks had 27 assists, another good number. They had 30 the game prior, 27 this night. I love how selfless this team is. They're willing to share the ball. Sometimes they're too selfless. There was an opportunity where Bogey had a pretty good look at the three-point line, and he to pass it on to DeAndre Hunter, who really was not the hottest tonight from the three-point line. And there was a couple other times where I saw some players, really, when they should have taken the shot, they went and made the extra pass, which normally you're never going to complain about the extra pass. But sometimes you got to be a little greedy. You got to be a little selfish. You got to be a little Mario Judah and force that uh, track out because you want to give the people what they want. And, David, quick, I'm going to ask you a question about this team. 30 assists the game before, 27 tonight. Going into the season with all these new faces, did you think that this is going to be a team? I know Trey Young, people like to put labels on him. He takes a lot of shots. But how selfless of a team is as far as wanting to pass the ball, get everybody touches and moving the ball around? Was this something that you expected to see or was this a surprise? And did you see this on your end tonight watching the Hawks play? Yeah, you could definitely see the uh, the offensive continuity kind of starting to take shape for the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of criticism. There has been at least a lot of criticism about Trey Young kind of dominating the ball, being James Harden-esque at times uh, when it comes to his offensive output. But I don't necessarily think that's the worst thing in the world. James Harden's a pretty damn good basketball player, one of the best offensive basketball players to ever play the game. And to already have comparisons to a guy like that, I mean, just kind of shows what you're able to do from offensive perspective. Now, as far as what we're seeing from the Hawks, the ball movement, the assist totals, the offensive rating, I think it makes a lot of sense for a combination of reasons. To me personally, one of the biggest reasons is the guy that they're building it around, and that's Trey Young. You know, there's a lot of guys who are incredibly talented and are incredibly talented at making their teammates better. And Trey Young is one of those guys. He, I believe, is a guy who you can put pieces around and he will figure out a way to make those guys better, or at least get them open shots. And I mean, to be able to already start to do that as early in his career as he is, I think is really just speaking towards how the sky is the is the limit for this guy. Um, and I think that the other reason why we're seeing what we're seeing from the Hawks is because, I mean, they really have nothing to lose. You know, they, they brought in guys who are players. These are, these are not, you know, guys who have just floated around the league and been unable to really make a name for themselves. I mean, Danilo Gallinari is an incredibly skilled Paul's offensive player, and he, he's a veteran. Rondo is a multiple-time NBA champion. Uh, this is a guy who's incredibly savvy, who has locker room presence that, you know, some that you like, some that you don't, you know, take with Rondo what you will. But, I mean, they, they brought in faces who are going to improve and solidify spots on their roster and their rotation that were much needed. Clint Capella is a great addition for them. It's a glue guy. It's a role guy. You know, they're, they're bringing in players who have the opportunity to shine in a role that naturally fits their skill set. Bogdanovich, whether they're bringing him off the bench or he's starting, this is it's perfect for him. He's another playmaker. He's a guy who help maintain that offensive continuity, keep you afloat in the minutes where you are giving Trey Young that rest. Because as we clearly saw in seasons past, you know, when Trey Young wasn't on the floor, who, who was who was carrying the responsibility offensively? I mean, pick a name. I mean, DeAndre Bembry had that role for a little bit. You know, it, it was just all these different guys, and none of them were a Bogdanovich. I mean, not, none of them were a, a Rondo. I mean, he, even I mean, they were more Chris Dunn and, and less on the defensive side of Chris Dunn. You know, so you hate to see that, you know, he's going to be out of the rotation. But I think for the Hawks, they're well-suited and well-set to kind of roll with these platoon-style lineups where you could – in theory, bring a brand new five in, maybe leave one guy in the starting lineup, um, you know, with the bench to keep them afloat and just let it ride. Because when you have a guy like Trey Young, I mean, he, he's not going to need a whole lot of rest. The Hawks as a team aren't going to need a whole lot of rest. They're, they're young. They're ready to run and bringing in those bets, like I said, to make sure that your team stays balanced and focused when you are giving your key guys those minutes off, I, I think is so important. So, yeah, this this all kind of makes sense, and the equation is adding up for the Hawks very quickly here. Yeah, and you made a slew of wonderful points that you know hit the you know the hammer on the nail. And 
another thing that speaks to the continuity is the fact that they continue to cut down the number of turnovers. This team had the most turnovers per game or were tied for the most turnovers per game last year in the NBA. And tonight, only have 12. That number continues to drop. But unfortunately, amongst those 12 turnovers, there were some timely ones that led to the swing of momentum in the fourth quarter. And so even though you want to have as few turnovers as possible, this is still a positive for the Hawks that they're building upon. And I continue to see that. And that's a good thing. They lost points in the paint tonight. I thought they really did not protect the paint well at times. And that just speaks to the offensive execution with Brooklyn, with those high screens that really just got Kyrie and others open lanes to the basket and they could finish. So I really thought that really didn't protect it like they did in past games. Three-point shooting, they didn't really close out. They, they tried to close out on three-point shooting, but it kind of waned as the game went on. So defensively, they definitely could have cleaned up some things there. So that's something that will look to improve when the next game, continue to close out shooters on a three-point line, run them off the three-point line, force them into jump shots, which the Nets were not making as many jump shots. Most of the shots were either threes or in the paint, like obviously what the NBA is trying to push for as far as efficiency and looking at the numbers. The best shots are <laughs> layups and three-pointers as far as the flow of the game. So that's something I would look for the Hawks to clean up. And then the big stat for me, the reason, in my opinion, the Hawks lost this game, outside of defensive and offensive execution out of stretch, the bench. The bench has been a calling card for this team early on in the season, and they got some good production off the bench, but it wasn't a balanced scoring attack like we were seeing in past games. The Hawks bench scored 43 points, but they gave up 56 points off the bench to Brooklyn. So they won that margin by plus 13. So between points in the paint, the high three-point shooting, and the advantage for the bench, I think those three things really played a key outside of the offensive defensive execution down the stretch. Because like I said, it was only a four-point loss. So, but those are the little things that matter in a game against a top tier opponent in the Eastern Conference or just in the NBA period or in a playoff series, winning a game one, going into game two, the little things that you're going to fix. These are the things that you could point to and say, hey, that made a difference. So, this is all a learning experience for the Hawks, and we'll speak to that. Going to the next numbers. I'm going to put them out there for you, David. I'm going to let you go go crazy with them because I know your guy, your guy, Kevin Durant, in 35 minutes, a near triple-double, 33 points, 11 boards, 8 assists, went 11 of 22 from the field, 2 of 6 from three-point land, added a steal and a block, went a perfect 9 for 9 from the free throw line. Kyrie Irving, as I mentioned before, struggled most of the game but caught fire in the fourth quarter, scoring 17 of his 25 points in the fourth. And added six assists, two steals. As I said, he was cold most of the game. He scored those 25 points on 27 shots. So he wasn't efficient, but he was effective when it mattered. Going 10 of 27 from the field, 3 of 11 from 3. Joe Harris, who I thought was one of the X factors for the Nets tonight, scored 23 points. Going 8 of 11 from the field, 6 of 8 from 3. And he was making shots tonight when Kyrie Irving wasn't. When the Nets needed a basket, Joe Harris was stepping up really in that first half. And they kind of kept them afloat, basically, to keep them scoring, basically, with these young Hawks as they were putting up points at high clips throughout the entire game. Joe Harris really kind of stabilized things for them. Yeah, so, David, after hearing the numbers, as I said before, Nets bench scoring was a big key in them pulling out this victory. What really stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, the Nets are deep. They're they're very deep. There's a whole lot of choppers on that team, and we saw it tonight. Um, Everybody's shot wasn't necessarily falling, but you saw them really, really roll deep on that bench. They're not afraid to bring in guys like Torian Prince, to bring in, obviously, Jared Allen is going to be a key part of this lineup, even though for some reason they refused to start him probably having to do with the relationship between DeAndre Jordan, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. But, hey, you know, pay to know people, right? And DeAndre Jordan definitely got paid. So Jared Allen is going to be a very, very critical part of this team, I think, defensively and offensively, just for what he brings to the table, his ability to rebound, to extend uh, possessions on offense for the team. 
Um, he, he's incredibly effective on the boards tonight. We saw him with a double-double, has some really good blocks. Uh, I think, unfortunately, he got the bad end of some calls on some of them. But, I mean, just very, very active, and it was great to see him be so involved. And, uh, you know, Timote Luau Cabarro, um, he, he's going to get a lot of run now with Dinwiddie being out of the lineup. Uh, I know you're not too crazy about him. Personally, I'm not that crazy about TLC tonight, especially because he was definitely looking like a scrub. And no, 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 we don't want no scrubs. So hopefully his game starts to round out a little bit more into form as he is given a lot more opportunity here, as I said, in Dinwiddie's absence. Because I think out of all a lot of those guys on the bench, I mean, obviously Levert is going to be unquestionably their their spark plug. He is there, as Steve Nash has put it there. Their Manu prototype, um, you know, and, and, you know, Karras could definitely get there one day. I mean, he's going to need a lot of championships and a whole lot more longevity in his NBA career, but he could definitely get there. He's offensively talented enough and he's in a perfect position, you know, with guys like Steve Nash and Dan Tony really crafting that offense uh, and really, really working out all the kinks that would possibly, uh, you know, pop up. So I look for him to continue to step up and you saw it tonight with his playmaking eight assists. You know, he, he's a very, very crafty playmaker. He's skilled. You want to see a little bit more out of him defensively, but at this point in time, like I said, he he is that spark plug. He is that Leandro Barbosa off the bench. He is that that kickstart to your offense when you're giving your big hitters a rest. Um, and he did his job tonight. And Joe Harris, I mean, personally, I think if anybody stands to benefit the biggest amount from the absence of Spencer Dinwiddie, obviously Karis LeVert is going to take a big step forward. Um, but Joe Harris, I think, is really going to get a lot of run here. I mean, because all he has to do is float in space and hit open shots. And that's exactly what he was doing tonight. I have a lot more faith in his ability to do that on a consistent basis than I do TLC. Um, and that's because Joe Harris, for you know people who are plugged into the league, they know how how potent this guy is offensively especially from the three-point line um and for people who don't i mean this guy has been a league leader in three-point percentage in the nba for season after season after season i mean and he's not only taking one a game he's taking multiple attempts a game and he's hitting them so i think harris is primed for a very big season as defenses you know panic and scatter on the perimeter trying to figure out who they're going to guard between the 7-11 big goal paws of kd and kyrie irving <laughs> Um, because they, they are really going to be bringing it to you on a night in night out basis. And Harris is going to be there to help them, uh, you know, help the Nets keep that offensive rating, uh, sky high. So yeah, the bench is going to be so key for the Brooklyn Nets. That was the biggest reason they didn't make any of these trades. You know, that was why they were in a position to make these trades because of their bench, because of the assets that they have on their roster. Um, and I think now with Dinwiddie going down, they're going to definitely take a next man up approach. And you should expect to see on a night in night out basis, it's going to fluctuate who is that popcorn scorer off of the bench. Obviously, more times than not, it's going to be your Levert or your, your Harris going to be the next highest scorer behind KD and Kyrie. But um, expect some big nights from TLC. Expect Torian Prince to have a random, you know, good game. Uh, and it'll definitely be random. So, yeah, definitely a lot to watch for with Brooklyn. Say TLC's name again uh, for, for the record, for the audience, his real name. Uh, I, and I apologize to all of our listeners that know it. Uh, if, if I butcher this, please uh, go ahead and send me a DM with, you know, a Google <laughs> translation, please, because I'm going to need it. But I believe it is Timote Luwalu Cabarro. It sounds like a wine. That's all I wanted to hear. Uh, I just wanted to hear the name again. It sounds like, like some <laughs> wine you get. Uh, but definitely, I think the Nets bench did play a role, a huge role in them winning. And with the Hawks having a new assembled bench together who has played well early on in the season, I think the continuity of the Nets bench did stand out a little bit more than the Hawks bench tonight as far as needing to execute possession after possession. But don't get me wrong, the Hawks bench did play fine, but there was a lot. It wasn't as much spreading of the wealth like on the net side tonight. So talking about the Hawks number, the Hawks had their David, hear this out. The Hawks had two 30-point scores and two 20-point scores. So they had four players score 20-plus and lose. <laughs> speaks to how great. I hate to see it. Yeah, you hate to see it. It just speaks to how great of an offensive team the Brooklyn Nets are. But John Collins woke up with a huge, huge night tonight, and I've been waiting to see this from him. 30 points. 10 rebounds, including four in the offensive end. He went 12 of 20 from the field, two of five from three, four of five from the free throw line. He started off hot in the first quarter with 12 first quarter points, scoring in the paint, shooting a three in transition and in rhythm. 
and just being aggressive and playing with a high motor tonight. Collins was very active on the glass, very active on the defensive end. And I just love when he's aggressive. He had 16 points in the first half alone and added six rebounds at that time. And the broadcaster spoke to this and Brad Rowland and a gun Willis for, you know, Peachtree Hoops spoke to this. He has been playing well on the defensive end. I've been critical because it's hard for me to see how good he is defensively when his minutes are cut because he's always in foul trouble. But he did show flashes of good defense in this game tonight and throughout the early part of the regular season. I've been really critical of him, but I still want to see the fouls go down. How did you feel about John Collins tonight? I know with him not getting his extension, I've been wanting to see him come out with that fiery kind of FU kind of chip on the shoulder, still being part of the team, but go out and get his and help the team win. So I've been wanting to see that. It's been kind of slowly meticulating, and now it came out into this big outburst against good competition in the Eastern Conference. Unfortunately, another big offensive output for John Collins in a losing effort, which has kind of been a thing, but still you love to see it. What were your thoughts on John Collins tonight? Well, I mean, John Collins looked phenomenal, in my opinion. You know, J.C. the Baptist was out there going to work and taking people to church. Very unfortunate, like you said, you know, that he can't necessarily always stay out of foul trouble. But in the same sense, I mean, you love a guy who's going to be very active like that. I mean, he's not the kind of guy who's necessarily going to just quit or give up on plays, especially not defensively. Um, He's going to continue to bring that energy, and he is definitely going to bring it to you on the low block. I mean, there was a move where he just absolutely sidestepped around Jared Allen, put that man in slow-mo. And I'm watching things like this, and I'm thinking, John Collins is going to get a big offer sheet this summer. You know, he he may not have been able to come to a deal with with Atlanta, but Atlanta is going to have their work cut out for him in restricted free agency because he's going to get some serious offer sheets from teams looking around the league who were maybe planning on throwing that money at a Giannis who's not there anymore. And John Collins is definitely not a Giannis. But, I mean, you look around the league at the lack of, fours at the lack of fives I mean who who move and who have the offensive skill set that he does and as young as this guy is I mean he's been relatively healthy I mean he missed a lot good amount of time last season but that was because he was juicing you know what I mean not because he got hurt so this guy is very very talented offensively uh I think he has the athleticism and size to be a solid enough defender especially on a championship caliber team and, yeah, I mean, I loved what I saw from John Collins tonight. I, I thought he was, yeah, thought he was a beast. Yeah, I wanted to see this, and I'm glad to see this. I said that he needs to have numbers like this. I mean, it's hard to respect this when you have so many pieces on the Hawks that can go and get their own as far as points and carve off their own offensive game. But if he can carve out a piece of his offense that's specifically to him, like he did in years past, still be efficient and at least to wins, he going to get paid, young brother, get paid. It's going to happen. Trey Young, another person who will get paid in the future here for the Hawks. In 32 minutes, scored 30 points. So another 30-point performance. He scored 30 in three of his four games. On 8 of 18 shooting from the field, he went over from the three-point line, unfortunately, but made up for that going 14 to 16 from the free throw line. He added 11 assists, six rebounds, and had five turnovers, unfortunately. But Trey Young was the conductor of the orchestra the entire night, finding everyone where they were going to go and get a basket and manipulating the defense to help get them open looks and get them clean lanes to the basket. I thought the spacing was really great tonight for the Hawks. He was just manipulating the defense while he was able to get to the paint, you know, penetrate, you know, suck in the defense, not speaking to Jason Terry, but penetrate the defense, draw them in, and then leading to open shooters out on a three-point line or just just an easy jumper or hitting people cutting to the basket. He was just, you know, just playing conductor the entire night. Finishing as well for himself, hitting that patented floater that he has and drawing fouls. And again, I spoke to this in previous episode. I know David's talked about the James Harden comps as far as his game and, you know, dominating the ball. He's drawing those comps again, his ability to master drawing fouls, whether it's behind the three-point line, whether it's, you know, driving in the paint, whether he's blowing past a defender and they're on his hip and he kind of stops and gets that call. 
he's mastering that and is showing the maturation and growth in his offensive game in his third year in the league, which is pretty scary. It's pretty scary. And his ability to get to the free throw line was really key in the fourth quarter because they did this in the game prior and they were doing it in this game, trying to close out the game by putting the ball on Trey Young's hand, him going to make a play, whether it's him getting his shot, getting to the free throw line or finding others. So it's becoming a theme and another great night from Trey Young. He's averaging over 30 points to start the season. He's averaging well north of seven, eight assists per game. But I still think that he was robbed at Eastern Conference Player of the Week last week. What do you think about that? Sabonis has been playing well, David. I, we understand the Pacers were undefeated at the time as well. The Hawks were undefeated as well. But I really thought that Trey Young should have got Eastern Conference Player of the Week last week. Well, in that regard, uh, I'm going to have to disagree. You know, I uh, I think Trey Young might say no mas for Domas, but I definitely don't because Domas been balling. He has been going crazy. That guy is trying to solidify himself, potentially the best player on the Indiana Pacers, you know, and doesn't really care how big the old depot might feel about that. Uh, and I don't think anybody else on the uh, Indiana Pacers really has anything else to say about that either. You know, so he, he's incredibly talented. He's continued to ascend ever since he's left the Oklahoma City Thunder. And um, I'm a big fan of what he's been doing. So Trey Young is going to have plenty of accolades to win. Trey Young very clearly is going to win MVP before DeMontis Sabonis does. Um, I don't think that's by any means a crazy thing to say. I think we can all kind of foresee that in the future for Trey Young if he continues to ascend this way. His NBA career and trajectory is definitely that of, I mean, what he's done so far is definitely that of an NBA champion, definitely that potentially of a league MVP. Um, He has an offensive skill set very similar to a guy like Steph Curry. And Steph Curry, I mean, say what you will about him, but the guy's got the rings, the guy's got the trophies, and the guy's got the career resume. So, like I said, sky's the limit for Trey Young. Hate to see he didn't win, you know, player of the week for the East, but ain't a whole lot of players out East. So I think he's going to have plenty of plenty of opportunities to win that award. I'm happy to see how you tie that in at the end. But as far as, you know, to Hawks fans here, as far as to the Demonis Sabonis' play, I'm going to pull a Stephen A. Smith. All I got to say is we don't care. We don't care <laughs> because, <laughs> because we really thought Trey should have got it. But – you're absolutely right. Sabonis is definitely looking like probably the best player on the Pacers. Sorry, Depot. Um, unfortunately, that that ship has sailed. It has to do more with injuries and not just you just being a bad player. So I'm going to speak to that. I'm going to move on. Next player, Cam Reddish. Best offensive output of the season. He's scoring 20 points on 5 of 11 shooting, going 2 of 7 from 3. But I love the fact that he got to the free throw line 10 times tonight. Ten times. That means he was aggressive, driving in the lane, getting to the cup, trying to make the referees make a call in his favor. And they did that more times than not tonight. So eight of ten from the free throw line. I like seeing that three rebounds, one assist, one block. And I thought he was really good on the defensive end the entire night, really active, really trying to jump in those passing lanes. I know he may gamble sometimes jumping in those passing lanes, but. That just speaks to a guy who has confidence. You saw it with his shot. You see it in his defense and his aggressiveness. Him cutting to the basket with purpose, finishing, getting to the free throw line. Like I said, his aggressiveness is because of his confidence and is showing and it's growing game after game. So I love what I'm seeing from Cam Reddish. I know you spoke to Cam Reddish earlier in the podcast. So I'm going to move on to the other 20-plus point score, the final one for the night. Bogey off the bench, scoring 22 points in 29 minutes on 7 of 14 shooting and going 6 of 11 from three, added two free throw attempts on two attempts and added four rebounds. Bogey continues his confidence as he started off very slow shooting. The last two games, he's been hot, hot, hot shooting from the three point line. And I love seeing his confidence grow. I love his energy off the bench. I love the little things that he does. And like I said, if his shot is not going in, he's going to go and grab some boards. He's going to find people and get assists. He's going to make that extra pass. He's going to get the pass to assist points so that, that you get on 2K. He does all the little things to help you win, and they speak to how much of a gym rat he is. They have to tell him to go home, leave the facility, because he's there so much. But it's all paying off. So Glad to see we had four 20-plus point scores tonight, even though in a losing effort. It just shows the offensive capability of the Hawks. DeAndre Hunter 
struggled with a shot tonight, going 4-13 from the field, 3 of 9 from 3, scored 11 points. He fouled out. He added 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal. No free throw attempts tonight. I want to see him being more aggressive in that regard. But I thought he played fair defense tonight. I mean, as fair as it could be, giving up 145 points. Thought he was fair on the defensive end. He always gets effort. I'm not really worried about his shot. We saw it early. People go through ebbs and flow with their shots. People can be streaky. He's still in his second year. I'm not going to read too much into his stat line. Clint Capella, 7 points, 12 rebounds, 3 offensive rebounds tonight, 1 block, 20, 20 minutes. Capped again in his minutes, but good and effective in his minutes. I thought he looked good. I thought he looked energized. He was moving well. And I hopefully look for them to lift those restrictions in the next couple games, because when he's out there, he is a presence. He is a force, especially on the glass, giving effort, especially the one possession where I saw him continually tip the ball on the offensive end, trying to get the ball, trying to give us second, third, fourth chances in one possession over Jared Allen and his presence in the paint will be needed throughout the season. I, I thought they tried to get him going early with a couple of attempts where they tried to find him in the paint, find him uh, running to the rim, trying to give him those opportunities to finish. And I think the more he plays with this team, the healthier he gets, the more those opportunities will open up. Gallinari, who I mentioned, got injured really early in the game. He scored a quick five points off the bench before spraining his ankle in the first quarter. And it led for some other players to having to step up. Solomon Eel offered nine points off the bench, going three of six from the field, and all three of his makes were threes. Unfortunately, Rajon Rondo, after having a great Hawks debut against the Pistons, went over from the field tonight, but added six assists. And Kevin Herter only got six field goal attempts tonight, which I would look to see him. Last year, he averaged about 10 field goal attempts. I know there's more people on the team. His attempts are going to go down, but in his six attempts, he went three for six from the field, 50%, scored seven points, went one of two from the three-point line, added four assists, two rebounds. So he wasn't as much of a factor. So some of the people on the bench weren't as effective as they were in the game before. And I thought that spoke to how well the Nets bench played. So I'm going to get to takeaways. And we're going to get David more involved than Herter was tonight. I'm going to give one, and then we're going we, to piggyback to end the program, David. So this that's what we're going to do. So my first one. For the Hawks, it's a great thing that they get another shot on Friday at this team. Running back turbo. They have an opportunity to watch film. They don't have to travel. They can clean things up defensively, look at what worked offensively, and looked at some other wrinkles through film, through practice time, being on the court in their day off, quote-unquote, before they play on Friday of what they can do even better on the offensive end, because I know that how great they were on the offensive end tonight. There's probably some things that they could have done even better, and they can speak more to that than me. And this is going to be in a learning experience. So that's why my takeaway that even though they lost this game tonight, it's not a bad loss, especially as good of a team as Brooklyn is and will be later on. This is a learning experience about how to win the close ones, the tough ones against the upper echelon in Eastern Conference. And I thought that this tells me that they were not that far away as far as the team. They can score with anybody in the league, and there's no doubt about that. Their confidence is going to grow game to game. And I think this is a game in a losing effort. Your confidence still grows, especially as great as they execute on the offensive end tonight. David, I'm going to kick it to you for a takeaway from this game. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for me, like I said, was defense um, and a lack of defensive identity from, I think, both teams. The Atlanta Hawks, you give more of a pass to. They're young. They're still developing. The roster is really in an influx right now um, with the way that they're kind of playing with rotations, really trying to solidify what is going to be kind of their crunch time lineups. So I give them a little bit more of a pass on that end. You know, the season's young and so are they. But the Brooklyn Nets, you know, the biggest takeaway for me as far as they go, like I said, defense. There was there was truly no defensive identity there. They they were able to come away with the win, but again, it was because it was an absolute shootout. And one team apparently had a six shooter, and the other team only had four in the chamber. So that's sometimes the way that it goes. You know, you you just outpace your opponent, and your offense is able to carry your team through to victory. But we know it doesn't matter what conference you're in, uh, you're going to have to go through the top of that conference, you're going to have to go through the top of the talent in the NBA 
whatever that may bring you uh, is kind of unpredictable. But you know you're going to need strong defense in order to get to a conference final, in order to get to an NBA finals. Um, and with that not being the case for either one of these teams, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see how both of these teams really round out their rosters defensively. I think the Hawks have the requisite pieces and, you know, a Hunter, a Reddish, et cetera, that are going to be able to step up on the wing and otherwise. Um, and for Brooklyn, that still remains to be seen. Yeah, and defense was one of my takeaways as well, although not great because they gave up 145 points. I mean, Everybody has to take in consideration this is Brooklyn. They're one of the best offensive teams in the league. And good offensive teams will always score and they always will find ways to score. And it was pointed out on Twitter, and I saw it as well, that the Hawks really did struggle with the perimeter screens and working over the screener to try to stay with the shooter at times. And as it just opened up open lanes to the basket. So those little things I hope to see improve, you know, throughout the season. But again, this is a learning experience. And as much as we don't want to overreact to 145 points and say, wow, terrible defense, because no defense was being played on both sides. They're both really great offensive teams in this game four of the regular season. So guys do not freak out, but certainly some things that we need to watch out for. Gallo. I thought him being out was a blow for this team especially when I saw this a little bit in the, in the Detroit game, when Trey runs pick and rolls, they are starting to guard the roller hard at times and trying to force Trey Young in no man's land to make a play. They're trying to force him to either shoot on a defender that can maybe go and block his shot or try to force somebody else that's not in the two-man game to beat them. And I saw a little bit of it. They tried to pick and pop with John Collins tonight, which I've been asking for. He missed the opportunity, but that is a wrinkle in my opinion that I want to see in this offense because it just opens things up. If they're guarding the roller hard, how open is that pop person going to be when they're trying to cheat it and try to get back, drop back in the defense to guard the roller. And then all of a sudden John Collins pops out, hits a three. I feel like that's going to be easy instant offense once they kind of work that out with Collins, because they can do it with Gallo, but Gallo being out, they couldn't do it. So they tried it with John Collins. It didn't work, and then they scrapped it. But I want to see them do that again, especially if John Collins' three-point shot, which over the last two games is starting to fall, which means his confidence is going to grow in-game as far as taking that shot with confidence and hitting it. I think they should definitely use that as a wrinkle in their offense. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of already touched on it, but I'm, I'm definitely bringing it back. Um, I, I think that Joe Harris and the the shooters on Brooklyn's team are going to be so key for them, uh, for their success going forward. And, you know, the same for Atlanta. You know, I think that the additions of Bogdanovich, I think that the continued development and ascension of a guy like Cam Reddish offensively is going to it's going to pay so much. It's going to pay such significant dividends for that roster, really, especially when they get into those playoff series, potentially with a team that is going to put up numbers. You know, you don't necessarily know where the Hawks will be in the Eastern Conference playoff contention race. Uh, but let's say that they did get a lower seed. You know, you're going to draw one of those high-powered offenses sitting at the top of the Eastern Conference, what we assume to be in any combination of, you know, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, potentially, Boston, Toronto. These are all teams that can definitely go out there and score with the best of them. And it's, it's great to see that the Atlanta Hawks are really starting to not only solidify themselves as one of the best offensive teams in the NBA, but really start to separate themselves from the rest of the pack with what they're able to do on a night in and night out basis. I 100% agree. The bench is always going to be a key for the Hawks and it will be a key for the Nets going forward. I'm sure it's going to be a key in the next game as I'm sure that some of those players who did not play as well off the bench, the brutal Fernandos and others that went over in their minutes, they're going to kind of step up and try to execute better because they're going to need that from them because they can't always be all on the starters. I know it's been vice versa in a couple of games where not all the starters have been executing well. Trey Young has put up a huge offensive output, but then the bench has really carried them. So I really want to see, like in the Chicago game, a complete team performance. And let's see that if this 
and I'm going to speak to this now as my final point. Tonight opened up a lot of eyes for people around the league as far as the Hawks. I talked about the respect tour, how we don't have as many national televised games. Not many people were taking the Hawks as serious because of the new pieces, because of the perception of Trey Young, the young guys, whatever you want to call it. This is a respect tour in each game. They're going to have to take and command respect around the league. And they've been slowly doing it. People still throw Trey hate. People still think the, you know, the Hawks aren't for real, but I think tonight opened up a lot of eyes that say, hey, offensively, this team can hang with any team in the league as far as points goes. I mean, we spoke to it offline. They have the highest offensive rating in the NBA scoring on, I want to say, what was it, David? 100, 122 points, basically, every 100 possessions or something like that. So Yeah, it's, it's something insane. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they, they we know that they can score. They're going to have to clean up things on the defensive end, and the more they play with each other, the more that Nate McMillan is with this team and whatnot, and they just grow. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. This is not a bad loss. People are going to take notice of this and say, you know what? <laughs> the Hawks are closer than people think. This is a loss, as I said before, you build off of as far as execution on the offensive end, what things to clean up on the defensive end, late game, execution and i said that in the episode previous that we have to work on closing out games we did not close out this game and win when we had the lead tonight we had a four-point lead and we did not hold on to it it's hard to do it against the brooklyn nets but we were going to face adversity and when i mentioned the adversity tonight it was late in games trying to get a dub especially when the other team has all-stars that are going and <laughs> like Kyrie, he was cooking tonight in the fourth quarter who is going to step up on the defensive side and make a play? Who outside of Trey Young is going to help him make plays on offensive end? Who's going to hit that big three? Who is going to get that and one? Those are the things that build throughout the season as they continue to find out about themselves and about each other and about this team. So, like I said, you can point to this game and say, you know what? Hey, we were a couple of possessions away of beating a team who arguably has the top four best odds to win it all this year. And you were a couple of possessions away from beating him. It's early in the season. Yes, you don't do you don't put too much stock into it and then have Spencer Dinwiddie. You can throw whatever excuse out. But this is still one of those things that, hey, we're close. Continue to put in the work. That makes players want to come back into the gym and work a little hard, work out with Bogey, work out with JC after practice, with Trey after practice, with Rondo. That makes them want to watch more film, lift weights a little harder, train a little harder, maybe focus on, you know, diet. Those a game like this tonight helps them focus on more of the little things because it was the little things that mattered. Bench points, offensive rebounds as a positive, you know, limiting them in transition, positive. Those little things add up to wins and losses game in and game out. And I think this is what they, this is part of the growing pains. It's part of the growing pains for a young team to have to go through in a season. So that is my final take, David. I will leave some closing marks for you. If you see anything, if not, I know you have a special plug to throw out to us. No, you know, no more, uh, no more takeaways. Just want to say, you know, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to hop on the podcast tonight and talk hoops. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the, of the NBA. Uh, especially now that Kevin Durant's back, you know, that's my guy. But the Atlanta Hawks are definitely turning into a team that, as far as I'm concerned, is must-watch TV. And I'm definitely going to be tuned in for all the games that they have, uh, whether it be on, you know, your local network or otherwise. Definitely get that NBA League pass going and be locked into these games all season long. So really appreciate the opportunity. But, yeah, I got something big coming up for the network here. Going to be dropping my own show here pretty soon. Going to be called The Double Dribble. Coming to you only on the HoopBall Network. Going to be available on Spotify and on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast needs. So definitely keep an eye out for that. I'm sure we're going to be having you on that show as a recurring guest, of course, you know, to talk everything Atlanta hoops and otherwise. My guy Brad Harden is incredibly plugged in, as you already know. That is exactly why you listen to his show. So like I said, Brad, I appreciate you, my man. You are an absolute world-class talent, um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing everything you continue to do for the Atlanta Hawks. You heard him. Double Dribble is coming out soon. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful show. If you heard him on the box score breakdown on my show and others, 
David is one of the best in the business. He's going to continue to get better. He's like Trey Young. He's just ascending into a superstar. And I'm just trying to be, you know, Cam Reddish right now, trying to do, trying to go through the mud, you know, put the pieces together, round out my game here, and try to give you the best content possible here at Hoopball Hawks. But he's one of the best. He's going to continue to be the best. And I thank you, David, for blessing me with your presence on this show. And spoiler alert, guys, we play the Nets again. We're going to run it back, Turbo. And guess who's going to run it back? David Bracey. He's going to be back on here to talk about game two like it's a playoff series, but it's just, you know, the fifth game of the regular season and we really need to chill out. So it's going to be wait, fun. Wait, 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 Yeah, yeah. Shout out Mario Judah. <laughs> uh, and if you love oh. what you, yeah, yeah, heard today, give us five stars, give us a good review, share it, tell a friend, to tell a friend to tell a friend tell a family member to tell a friend about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks that's no cap that's no smoke numbers don't lie we are ascending and I want you to ascend with us to the penthouse so share with fellow Hawks fans basketball enthusiasts across the globe follow us at hoopballhawks on Twitter that is at hoopballhawks follow myself at Brad Jarrett 67. That is Brad J A R R E T T 67. Follow me on Twitter, guys. Retweet the show, share it out, blow this show up because, like I said, we go into the penthouse and I want you, the audience, to be in my penthouse party, obviously post COVID. So, with that, yer!